0: I'm Mark Beattie, Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. I'd like to highlight some of the content from the January edition of the journal. The first article I'd like to talk about relates to the quality of care in adult patients with inflammatory bowel disease transferring between healthcare providers. It's a multi-centre audit, a very important topic. There is a paucity of evidence regarding patients with inflammatory bowel disease who need to transfer their care either to a new secondary carer or to tertiary care, both in terms of how effectively this is done and whether it affects the outcome. It has important implications for the transition from paediatric to adult services, but also with an increasingly mobile population that adults who relocate for university, work, social or other reasons. In this issue, the Glint Research Network report a multi-centre audit, 154 cases, over 16 hospitals in London, more than 50% of transfers for relocation, with other reasons including referral to the private sector, seeking a second opinion and referral for a specialist opinion. Most onward referrals were from primary care, despite previous follow-up being with a secondary care provider. The information included was generally incomplete in more than 70%, and that included details of the diagnosis, treatment, including surgical, and the results of the most recent investigations. It's a very interesting article to work through. The authors advocate that improved communication between the patient, gastroenterologist and primary care is essential to facilitate smooth transfer of care and should include a summary of the patient's assessments and treatment. The increasing use of digital health technologies, particularly in the post-COVID area, and the increased use of information sharing may enable patients to take individual ownership of the transfer process. We have to get to being able to do this better. There's a very powerful accompanying commentary to this article from Philip Smith, associate editor for Frontline Gastroenterology, but also a patient with Crohn's disease who's undertook this at various different phases of his life. It's emotively titled Moving House, Moving Medical Teams, Keeping Control of My Inflammatory Bowel Disease. The second article I'd like to highlight relates to sarcopenia. Recent Advances in Practical Management for the Gastroenterologist Sarcopenia is a progressive and generalised disorder of skeletal muscle strength, function and mass that's most commonly associated with the normal ageing process although is increasingly recognised in inflammatory bowel disease and liver disease with an increasing amount being written about it In this edition, Hollingworth and colleagues discuss the recent advances in practical management. Sarcopenia is common, but poorly recognized by clinicians. Pathogenesis multifactorial, and sarcopenic obesity is well described. The authors discuss sarcopenic obesity, cachexia, and frailty as clinically distinct, but overlapping conditions. The SARC-F, which is in table two, is a useful screen for symptomatic sarcopenia, assessing strength, difficulties with mobility, such as rise from a chair, climbing stairs, and number of falls in the last year. Diagnosis of sarcopenia is by grip strength, dual energy x-ray absorptiometry, gait speed and CT measurement of muscle mass. Treatment is by nutritional intervention, particularly protein intake, and resistant exercise programmes. There are no proven pharmacological treatments, although treatment of underlying conditions is important. There's much ongoing research in this area, but in summary, better recognition and management is likely to improve outcomes for patients with underlying gut and liver disease. Essential reading and editor's choice this month. The third article I'd like to cover is a systematic review of the impact of inflammatory bowel disease-related fatigue on health-related quality of life. Fatigue is really very interesting. It's frequent in inflammatory bowel disease and impacts significantly on health-related quality of life. In this issue, Radford and colleagues systematically review the literature. They found 11 studies, 2,823 participants. Interestingly, fatigue was significantly related to three health-related quality of life themes. Symptom acceptance and management, psychosocial well-being and management, and physical activity. Physical activity was impaired by higher fatigue levels, lowering health-related quality of life, but was also used as a means of reducing fatigue and improving health-care-related quality of life. The authors conclude that better understanding of the impact of IBD fatigue has the potential to improve health-related quality of life, reduce costs and allow patients to feel a sense of control through effective self-management. This is all very important in a condition where chronic symptoms and treatment escalation is common. The fourth article I'd like to cover is a summary of one of our Twitter debates, Controversy in the Management of Portal Hypertension. So I do hope you all enjoy the monthly frontline gastroenterology Twitter debates, usually around published content and popular with great engagement and reach. In this issue, Chun and colleagues summarised the discussion around controversies in the management of portal hypertension from the September 2019 Twitter debate. Key points. All endoscopists on the bleeder rotor should know how to manage variceal bleeding. Antibiotics will reduce mortality. Avoid over-transfusion. Ensure patients are adequately resuscitated prior to starting vasoactive agents. Intubate prior to endoscopy. Band ligation is the treatment of choice for esophageal varices. Gastric varices might require glue injection. It's a really interesting read, it's well-referenced, and the detail of these things I've talked about is all in there. Great CPD, and actually, having read it, I hope you'll look out for the debates, and if you have any ideas for content or want to get involved, make contact with the editorial team. The final article I'd like to cover is a guideline review. It's a review of the British Society of Gastroenterology, UK PSC guidelines for the diagnosis and management of primary sclerosing cholangitis. It's an excellent review of the recent BSG guidelines for the diagnosis and management. Nicoletti and colleagues discuss key issues. Estimated incidence is around 1 in 100,000. There's no effective pharmacological treatment. And the potential to progress to chronic liver disease with PSC accounts for about 15% of adult transplants. The clinical features and diagnosis are discussed in detail. More than 80% have inflammatory bowel disease. All patients require lifelong follow-up including disease surveillance and active management of specific symptoms. There's an excellent table in the article which summarises them. Multidisciplinary input is essential, especially when specific interventions such as endoscopic management of biliary strictures are being considered. Liver transplant is the only treatment able to modify the natural history of the disease. It's a great summary of the important guidance and highlights you to key content in it. We do like to run guideline summaries in the journal, they're popular with readers. So please let us know if there's a recent guideline you'd like to review, look at the instructions for authors for specific requirements. The intention of a guideline review is to highlight and discuss the main points in the guideline and in doing so signpost readers to useful national and international guidance that will help us with our day-to-day clinical practice and so help us manage patients better hope very much you've enjoyed the podcast, and please enjoy the issue, and please continue to read, enjoy, and feedback on the journal. Follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcasts, and download and read interesting content. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Beattie, Editor in Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology.